Hello, Edinburgh, this is Ewan Spence, and it's the final weekend, Saturday, Sunday and Monday to go, and a final chance to catch up with some of the acts, making all the headlines and having the time of life here in the arts capital of the world. As they say, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Uh, Once more, uh, we have the weekend and we have a chance to go out with a microphone and talk to some of the acts that are around the capital city here. Yes, the Fringe is drawing to a close, but we still have three nights, still lots of shows to see, still lots of tickets to get to. Uh, Later on in the show, we will be interviewing uh, Mike Bobbins and Joel Sutherland, Larry Dean, and we'll start off in a moment with Kay Card. We'll also have the uh, best reviews and recommendations, as always, from Broadway, Baby, and High Fringe, but this time it'll be a top five and it will be for all of the month, not just the last 24 hours. So let's just head on straight to that final batch of interviews and start with K-Card. Joining me now on the show, we have Kay Card making his debut here at the Edinburgh Festival. How are the nerves holding out? Um, I'm, it's terrible. I'm shaking. It's horrible. I can't sleep. Um, this is all genuine. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, I'm quite... That, 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 you've got that air of confidence. Yeah, I'm no, thinking, no. is it actual you know confidence? What? Do you know what? I am, I am usually very confident, um, but it's just quite, it is quite nerve-wracking. Once you get here, like I was fine before I came up and then it was like, oh my gosh, this is what? I've been working up debut to. hour. I mean, how long have you been on debut team? hour? Yeah, so about five years. But yeah, it's my debut hour, and it was just like, oh my gosh, like I like I need to nail this. And I think I put a bit too much pressure on myself, like first couple of days. But, I mean, you've yeah. been around Edinburgh at the Fringe before. Yeah. So last year I was part of the Pleasance Reserve, which is an amazing uh, experience for anybody that wants to get involved in it. Just being around the the festival and being able to perform every day um, without any sort of pressure. Um, being able to go and watch so many shows and soak up the atmosphere it's amazing um so yeah an idea of the rhythm because it's quite a strange rhythm yeah when you move up to Edinburgh, when you go from your thursday friday saturday gig thursday friday saturday and then it's just like bang just just being able to perform every day as well at the same time and it's just you sort of when people are like oh yeah it's mentally draining on you and you're like why before but then you see it and you're like yeah okay i understand because you you'll be telling the same jokes one night it's hitting and the next night it's not and you're just you but they're still enjoying it but it's just different crowds reacting different yeah. ways for whatever reason it is yeah i suppose that's the thing that, that people have to remember there's yeah you can have the script you can go out you can practice it in the, your favorite clubs where yeah. you where you live but your case is london, london. Yeah, yeah so london you get up here and it's just like this is where you learn the performance bit not necessarily yeah. the scripting bit. yeah yeah I, th- I feel like the difference between a comedy club and, and, and a festival audience is i think a lot of the time, festival audiences want to l- hear what your story is and what you're actually talking about, as opposed to just wanting to laugh straight away. They, they like a laugh is good, but what they really want is to to sort of be educated in a sense and, and see something quite unique that they haven't seen before. And you get that room to breathe in the Edinburgh yeah. hour as well. Yeah, yeah. And of yeah. course, it's an hour. That's a lot of filled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. It, it's great when um, when you're able to actually talk about what you want to as well. I mean, often in a 20-minute set, um, you're probably under pressure to just come with the laughs as well. But in, in an hour, you can sort of delve deeper into your thoughts, your experiences, and your worldview, essentially. And it's been a rough world, a rough worldview. That's not where I'm going with that question. What I mean is, <laughs> it's been an interesting life um, yeah. that it must have really colored your worldview because it's not you know get born 
go to school, grow up and go because there's been a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. Like, so yeah, my, my parents came here as refugees and I was six months old when I came to this country and we moved to South London as well. So it wasn't like the safest place to grow up as well. Like going to school was quite interesting around there as well. But um, it, it was safer than where your parents were before. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, at that point in time, obviously, they were, my, my, my parents were part of the resistance fighting against Saddam Hussein. So my dad's left disabled through mustard gas poisoning fighting against the regime. So like it was a very different experience. Um, but obviously... I was well aware of that. My parents made me well aware of their struggles. But you're growing up mm-hmm. in South London. You have no idea what it's like to fight against. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? So I had my own battles and stuff. But um, where I grew up was great because I was amongst so many different cultures and, and some people from all walks of life. Um, it gave me such a, a rich understanding of people from all walks of life. So I could walk into any room and I can sort of fit in there, even though on paper I probably don't fit in anywhere. Just the fact that being around all the cultures, yeah. all the people, it's just like, we're all the same. Doesn't matter. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great as well, though, when I find out myself performing in front of different audiences, because I'm aware of so many different little nuances and stuff, I'm able to just pick specific things out and people are like, oh, wow, so he, he knows about us, he's one of us. And so we're back yeah, to that performance yeah, thing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, so how does the Edinburgh audience then compare to that cultural melting pot that you would have in London? Because we have a lot of tourists come into Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, so the makeup must change for you every night. So do you, do you have a look before you go on stage or do you walk out cold and then I walk out and see who who's in the crowd after I get on. But... Um, I feel like having experienced Edinburgh last year as well, I would say that, to be honest with you, I don't think that there is a massively diverse audience um, in a lot of the shows. Um, um, I think it is pretty much still very much a middle-class audience that comes to the Fringe Festival, whether we like to admit it or not. Um, I think this year especially, I mean, seeing a lot of my peers as well doing their debuts, it's great to see so many people, comedians of colour um, and, and working-class comedians coming up here doing their hour because um, in order for us to want comedy to succeed and comedy to continue to be such a rich and diverse art form, we need voices from all different mm. backgrounds and colours um, in order to make the art form a lot a lot better and a lot more enjoyable because um, when you've got so many different voices and so many different opinions, that's when you're going to up your game and raise your levels in order to provide the best show possible. So for me, in in that aspect, the audiences haven't, I think, aren't as diverse, but the performers are getting more diverse, which is a great thing to see. Who, out of all the performers, who would you regard as sort of mentors, the sort of people that you go, that's how I want to do my job, that's how I want to do a stand-up who do you look up to um amongst my peers as in yeah yeah. um well i've i've i'm very close with dame baptiste um you know we're sharing a flat together i supported him on tour um and dane's always a wealth of knowledge and advice as well because he's been through this i mean obviously his first hour got nominated for the best newcomer um and he's 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 just got a wealth of knowledge he's written sitcoms and he he's somebody that i look up to because he's very thick-skinned as well so we often give each other pep talks as well, like if, when he's feeling down or I'm feeling down. So, yeah, Dane's probably the one guy that essentially I look up to. And if somewhat, if a young comic was to look up to you, what do you think they would take from your attitude? Um, unwavering confidence. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure, yep. <laughs> I think, you do need to be kind of bulletproof in this game, Yeah, I mean, do you know what, like... I think the most important thing in comedy is to 
stay focused and be confident with your own ability and your own level of skill because there are going to be so many knockdowns. You're going to be told you're not funny by certain people. Um, you're going to possibly fail in certain aspects as well, but it's important to just stay focused and um, not, be, not, not watch anybody else's successes or failures because this is fleeting. It can happen. It, one day you can be up, one day you can be down, but just be happy for other people. Your time will come. All right. Remind us once more when the show is on. The show is at the Pleasance Courtyard, Bunker 2, at 5.30pm. And if people want to find out more about you, they can go online? Yep, absolutely. They can go on kcurd.com or Twitter, at kcurd, Instagram, at kcurd. Everything online is kcurd. So, and that's K-A-E. Yep, K-A-E-K-U-R-D. Lovely. Kate, okay, thanks for your time. Right. Thank you very much, Ewan. Thank you. Larry Dean joins me now. Uh, Larry, bottle of brew in hand. Hello. Hey, buddy. Uh, it's bottle of diet it's iron brew, man. I'm looking after myself. Yeah, this that's one. it. Diet iron brew, because we want to get to 56, not 55 years exactly, old. Exactly, man. What's the, su- what's the sugar levels, man? Indeed. So, it's you. Hi, it's me, man. It's you, yeah. Hi. You are the Scotsman at the Fringe. It's just oh, you. I think there might be a few other okay, ones. Okay, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, uh, but no, actually, if you're listening to this, uh, uh, yeah, you're yeah. looking for a Scottish show, there's only one there's this only, year. Yeah. And it's my one, so I, I go with that one. Let's <laughs> go with that one. Tell us when the show is on. Let's get the business out of the way at the top of the business list. Business out of the way. Uh, it's at 6.40 at the Monkey Barrel Comedy Club. See, I've been rehearsing that, you man. Have, Not yeah, bad. Yeah, that was all right, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, you said every word there you as well. You a good bit of attempted received pronunciation yeah, there on the BBC PM way. at the Monkey Barrel Comedy Club. Um, uh, working, uh, the, the loosest term of the phrase, working with Bob Slayer. Um, how, how's the experience been on the Free Fringe? Because you've got, a, you've got a rack of awards, you've been on the circuit, you made a big name for yourself. Why decide to go Free Fringe? Uh, mainly because I noticed last year when I was um, doing the Paid Fringe that... You get um, you get a different clientele when I've because you like you'll do free fringe gigs if you're in the paid fringe and vice versa as well. And I thought it'd be quite nice to be able to do gigs to like more working class audiences and like students and stuff like that. And I know a lot of the thing is like you say, I'll oh, put money in the bucket at the end, and obviously I ask for donations at the end of my show. But at the same time, I was thinking I'd actually quite like to just have people there just to enjoy it because a lot of times when you'll do a show, especially midweek. And the audience have paid ten, fifteen pound to come and see it. You can see them sitting there thinking, "This better be bloody good." <laughs> and it, it's nice to kind of people go, "Well, if it's not good, at least we don't have to put any money in at the end." So it's a kind of like it's, it's a bonus. So basically, you've no confidence in your material. Worth that's it, man. That is exactly it. I just <laughs> oh, thought I'm I, scared. I wouldn't you. pay to see me either. I'm scared so. of canvas slang. I'm going in. If you didn't like it, you didn't like it, and I'm away. I, go. I think it's quite a Scottish thing to be so self-deprecating, though, man. Because you've had. Americans, you know, I Americans do the podcast and I bet they're like yeah my show's awesome and uh, you know it's just it's going to be a new thing you know, it's comedy reinvented but like Scots are just like I'm my show's pretty crap man but it's funnily crap I mean it's no bad uh, it's, it's, no, no bad. it's no bad mate <laughs> what but, a phrase I mean just to, just to completely riff off Scotland it's no bad aye and you can read that whatever way you like I should be the tourist slogan innit I go Scotland it's no bad uh, aye the show's good though man I see it I'm actually. I think this is probably my probably my funniest. one. it's difficult to say what your best one is, um, but out of the three I've done, that's probably the funniest, uh, and it's quite nice and loose as well with the with the audience. Because I, I I found that last year 
because especially when Scots come in, man, and there's a Scot, and as a Scottish act, Scots will come in and they'll give you a heckle, and I don't mind when I get a heckle or whatever. But last year my show was like, right, it's fifty-eight minutes exactly, and so but somebody would heckle, I'd be like, oh shit, I've only got two minutes to deal with this heckle. He was like telling me what they work as, and it's something like, you know, he works as a painter and he and he paints the railway. Because when because when we heckle in Scotland, it's not just one line thrown out oh, there. Mate, it's like, oh no, no, it's like we've got to have banter first. Ah, exactly, man. You, you've and got to build up to the heckle put down. You can tell that they've thought of like like they've thought of the weirdest thing they could possibly say to you to try and throw you off because especially at the Edinburgh Fringe as well it's like they know what would throw the comedian off they won't just going to go you're shite they'll say your material is weak they'll kind of be able to really cut you nicely so I've got uh, I don't really uh, chat to the audience that much during the show but if they heckle I'll have plenty of time for them you've got spirit so how much does this show run? Uh, can can I get away with the word nominally or does that just make us sound just what, what's that exactly, one? aye. What's the average? How long does it normally go for? Oh, about 50, 55-ish minutes. He's got three minutes spare for the extra heckle for the two minutes. Aye, but I can make it. There's bits I can go, all right, I'll tell you what, if this heckle's good, or this go chat is good, I can get rid of this three minutes here. I'm looking at your press release here. Aye. And we've had the whole... I didn't write it, man. Yeah, so I was going to say, you know how I know you didn't write it? there's more than two syllables for, each, some, for something. Two reasons. Two reasons. <laughs> same, man. It's the fact that it lists one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight comedy competitions before he even mentions the name of the show or the venue. So it's like, look, he's won something. Look, eight comedy been, competitions? Yeah. yeah, look at this, this one here. That's you, oh, isn't you it? Yeah, look, 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 a winner of this oh, one, nominee of this one. I do quite a lot of competitions. Yeah, yeah you do. You forget about this. Uh, right. But here's the thing, that's how I know you didn't write it, because you're Scottish. You'd never put the, oh, look at uh, me, yeah, yeah. at the, know, at the I, top of the press release. I had, to write, uh, I had to write one press release for myself, and instead of putting the Amuse Moose Comedy Award, I put the Amuse Moose Thingy Majiggy, because <laughs> <laughs> I just felt really weird by saying Comedy Award in a sentence. So, uh, yeah, I'll get other people to do this stuff for me, because it's way too cringy, man. But how important is it, all those competitions and getting your name out? For, put, put the business hat on for a moment, because I know it's all in right, there. business hat on. I, 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 know, I know it's hiding, and because I, I can spot you doing what I do, and it's just like, no. Serious for a minute. Those all are the, the things that will get people to your show. Those are the things that you can build a career off. I tend to find that with those competitions, it helps people who are 50-50 of coming to see you, but the one that helps the most is if, you say to your mates, you've been to see me, and they're like, oh, I was pure up or funny. And then you say to your mates, go, you got to see this guy, word of mouth. Because you, I'd be more inclined to trust my mate with their sense of humour than I would be for some competition I might have no heard of. So I think it's actually word of mouth tends to be the biggest thing. And I find that as well with, like, your show, if your show's sold out, or there's a big queue outside your show and some people have to get turned away because it's like, oh, there's not enough space for everybody, then you go, wow, a lot of people must like this person. So I find that that is actually tends to be the best publicity. Like, the competitions are a nice thing. It's a nice piece thing to put in your mantelpiece and go, I did a good job. But people, when people message you on Twitter or Facebook or something and just say, oh, just so you know, I really thought the show was amazing, they always say to me, they always go, like, after a show, they say, I know it's really cringy, but can I get a picture with you? Because I really enjoyed that. I'm like, it's not cringy at all, man, because it's actually... It you're going to send day. it out there. Yeah, yeah. It it's make, cheaper than a poster. Exactly, man. Yeah, and it makes my day. I'm like, oh, fucking awesome, man. This this person actually found it good enough that they want to, they want to like, get a picture with us to remember how much they enjoyed it. So that stuff, that stuff tends to work better. And I guess because the fringe is every day as opposed to every week when you're on the circuit. Aye. 
the travel put aside, that word of mouth is much faster. It's much more like momentum building. Yeah, absolutely, man. And also, it kind of carries throughout the year because uh, you get people that will be like, add you on Facebook or Twitter, and then they'll be like, uh, they'll have you there, and then next time you tweet something, like say, oh, I'm on tour, I'm going to be coming to this place. So they might have been up in Edinburgh for the for a couple of weeks, but then they might live in Lincoln or something. You're like, oh, I'm doing a tour date in Lincoln, and uh, they'll come to that, and then they'll be like, oh, I saw this guy when I was on holiday in Edinburgh. We should go see him, and then they'll come to your tour as well. Why Lincoln? Because uh, you could have chosen anywhere you toured, but you chose Lincoln. I genuinely have no idea why that actually came into my head, man. I, I don't know. I think you just mentioned travel, and I thought, oh, man. Like, I really want to go to Lincoln. To be honest, mate, this you is know? why I'm actually doing the fringe. I've actually got tour dates to sell in Lincoln, man. Really? <laughs> no, I don't think no. I do, actually. It's not even tour. Oh, I thought I think I got, you could have bluffed it there. I'll have a tour next March, I think, but I don't know if Lincoln's on. It's got to be on there now. It's going to have to be now, yeah. yeah. yeah man. This is going to blow up on Twitter, mate. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. Like, I mean, oh, we've man, named this. the tour now. We've got the tour of the name. What, Lincoln? Yeah, just call it... Just call or it Amuse Moose Thingamajiggy. The, the, the Lincoln Thingamajiggy. The Lincoln Thingamajiggy. Comedy Done. Award. The Lincoln yeah, Comedy Award. Is, by the time you get around at the Fringe next year, that could mean absolutely anything. You can just put that name in the Fringe programme in March. Oh, mate, you could put, oh, you could put any competition in the thing. No, 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 no. I mean for the show name. Not the oh, competition the, name. Oh, the show name. Well, I thought... Because since everyone this year, like all the English people are like, and what does Fandan actually mean? Because they've got no idea of what a Fandan is. I'm thinking I might just call the show Bobag next year or no. something. Well, all right. See, I there's those ones like that. Like, like, I didn't even realise the word we was Scottish. Like, as in a wee as thingy. In, yeah, as in, as in we, not as in we. There's no point in me doing the actions of the Nintendo game and the other thing that we's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's the same action. Because I, I think most of the time when you just chat to someone who's not from Scotland and you're just saying words, they, they are just trying to pick up on the ones they, yeah. they know and then they'll just... Let's be fair here. The PR who's sitting next to us while we're doing this has no idea what we're talking about because we have exactly. slept into we've been ta- deep We've been chatting about here. half of the, about the past yeah. 10 minutes anyway, man. Yeah. There's no idea. We're all, we're, we're all over the place. Out with we, what you know. <laughs> Lincoln. 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 <laughs> Once more, Larry, when's the show on? It's 6.40 at the Monkey Barrel Comedy Club. <laughs> Nailed back, it. And he goes back into the posh oh, voice. 6.40 at the Monkey Barrel Comedy Club. Club I team. only bring this voice out on a Sunday. I have to do, have to do a voice when I'm like selling myself, man. You know, come see this award-winning comedian. Ah, here we go. Larry Dean there, and just before that, K-Card, thanks for them. Uh, and now, as promised, the uh, top reviews and the top recommendations from the teams at Fringe Guru and Broadway Baby. Fringe Guru, of course, collects in all the reviews from all the major websites here in Edinburgh to put them into their iFringe application, which you can still download at iFringe.com. It'll get you through the last couple of Days with all the reviews in now, you can create the best reviewed show uh, from the media partners of iFringe. In joint fourth fourth place with two five stars and two four star reviews each, you have Accelerate by Sir Columbia, playing the Underbelly Circus Hub at nine fifteen, and Lies from Summer Hall six thirty and eight thirty p.m. In third place, two five stars, three four star reviews belongs to the nature of forgetting. But a joint winner this year, which is the first time that's happened. Uh, three five-star reviews each goes to Dust at the Underbelly, Pike Street at Summer Hall. And as always, links to those shows back at our website, edinburghfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. 
Broadway Baby have dug in through as well and found out the five top red reviews uh, that have happened this year. Um, if we go in reverse order, number five is Ray Bradshaw's Deaf Comedy Farm. Fourth place is Animal Alphabet, the musical. And then Brexit Musical, number three, Glasgow Central at number two. And topping that at the top, Chris Turner. What a time to be alive. As always, links to those back on the website. Two more interviews to go. We'll finish with Mike Bobbins. But first, Joel Sutherland. Join me now on the show. We have Joel Sutherland. Thank you for taking your jacket off, Joel. That's incredibly noisy. It is. It's PVC for anybody listening at home. And it just crinkles and sets off static charges, and we don't need that in the studio. I like to take up more space than I physically have, uh, if that makes sense. I think that's that's what fashion should should equip one with. Is a... it, it was less fashion and more sort of nesting instinct. <laughs> just like I just put that here and lay out, then I feel comfortable now. And yeah, now. it's if I can externalize my ego. Ideally, I would wear like Marie Antoinette style like pannier you know four foot wide dresses every day just um because to um, you know take up as much space as i think i deserve mm, indeed really. and and because you're in edinburgh you could hide a, a little scooter underneath it as well to help you go up the hills oh yeah one of those disgusting um little hoverboard things yeah you think it's just like the wheels, but you wouldn't see it because yeah obviously the the petticoat would come down and Oh, that would be side. beautifully spooky, wouldn't it? Yeah, it could be put some green lights underneath you. <laughs> just going past, and you wouldn't have a problem with the hill. Ah, oh, that'd be wonderful. Okay, um, can we get on Amazon right now? Can we just quit? I just we, need to we, go and buy We could, something. yeah. Yeah, we could. Hold on a second. Right, are you happy? You've ordered it now? <laughs> yes, I'm whizzing around as yeah, we look speak. Yeah, the magic of radio. We've just spent <laughs> half an hour ordering a Marie Antoinette dress-up, um, the hoverboard lighty-up floaty thing. That's your hour for next year, sorry. <laughs> what about this year? What are, you, what are you doing at the Fringe this year, Joe? Uh, this year is my first uh, solo show at the Fringe. It's at the Pleasant's That. Um, it is... Uh, so it's... Um, so it's, It is a tough one to describe because, you know, it, it's not just stand-up. It's not just sketch. It's not just, you know, prop comedy. It's, it is this kind of lovely mix isn't it i've thrown everything at the wall just to see what would stick um and i think at least 70 percent of it has so it is a mix of uh, let's say stand up um let's call it sketch let's call it modeling there's plenty of posing and pouting um there's video audio just everything to keep the audience awake at 10 45 p.m at night because otherwise you know you could lose them in a drunken haze how difficult a show is it to script when you have so many different elements coming in because obviously if somebody's just going to stand there for an hour they can sit in front of the keyboard and just go there I've written my script it's not as easy <laughs> I'm, sure, with your... I'm sure they all agree that it's that I, easy yeah oh, it is that easy you should try it sometimes <laughs> god uh, chickens they should um, you know put some work in and make a video here or there it's uh, I don't know it's sort of it's just like a collage really it's just like cutting up loads of stuff that sort of uh, reflects what you think you want to make and like I say just kind of pushing it together until you find the way that it like throwing it at the wall I almost literally mean that like sort of like m- 
chucking things around to kind of get to a point where you start to see like a pattern that emerges and then you kind of follow that pattern until you find the soul of the show i this has become incredibly pretentious that's, very that's quickly fine. Fine. and i'm pleased with that now i if you want me to, I could go back and go to something more technical, um, <laughs> or we could stay in the sort of meta art. Which would you prefer? I'm happy with meta. What colour is your show? Oh, my show is uh, it's a pastel palette. No, 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 one colour. One colour? Yeah, if we think of the whole hour, we just oh, synthesise it down. What colour is it? My Okay, what colour is my show? It is a shade of millennial pink, which is uh, very hot on the internet right now. So it's a pastel pink that has, like, just slight... It's a slight red tones just underneath a little bit of anger in there yeah so it's so it's not it's not like lilac it's it's closer to the to the red side of pink but it's very light it's at the top of the scale you want a technical question now don't you you're not getting <laughs> we're just going to leave that one there as a mystery i wonder where you would have went with that one um how much of the show is locked in when you, when you say you throw a lot of it at the wall are you still chopping and changing in the night is it sort of mm, I could go either way the next minute. We'll see how the audience goes. Or have you locked in your 55 minutes of, this is my show? The content of the show is locked in. The thing that might differ night to night is the approach. So if uh, if an audience kind of isn't going for one of the many tones of the show, because like I say, it's a palette, not really one colour, um, then it's about making sure that when... I move to the next bit, it's either louder, faster, or I kind of like, you know, I just kind of make sure that they're aware that I'm aware of them. Like, it's it's never, it's not a monologue. It's not one directional. Like, it has to be a kind of team effort. Obviously, I'm the leader of the team, um, and I'll sort of drive. If it feels like lackluster, then that's my fault. So I have to pick it up and, like, redress that. It sounds like if you're more like an orchestral conductor than, oh, yes. say, Harry Styles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a have much more of a hand in the in the production perhaps than Harry. Um, sorry, oh no, maybe he works really hard. We don't know. I, I don't know. I was just going for the One Direction pun. <laughs> um, oh, good. Oh, good link. I didn't even see that. Um, it's okay. Neither did the listener. That's the worrying <laughs> thing. They're just like Ewan's off on one again. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe it's a bit like being an orchestral conductor. It's certainly. You know, you've got so many things going on at once. In the, you're sort of measuring everybody's faces in the room. You're obviously trying to remember the material yourself and making sure that it's always handled lightly. Like the one thing I really fear is ever feeling like it's too laboured. Like, hi guys, I'm trying to make a point here. It needs to just be more like patow, patow, patow. Oh, what was that? Did you accidentally learn something? Patow, patow, patow. Um, so it's like keeping the momentum at that pitch, which means that. Uh, people are almost unaware of what's happening until the very end. How difficult is it to judge that over the mood of an entire audience? Because obviously if you're just looking at one or two people, then it must be much easier to pitch to them than, say, a room of... Which room are you in? Plus, yeah, it's a bit like 75, 80? 55. 55. Um, well, I think you have to sacrifice a few people. There is always going to be one or two who you're just like... They might be loving it, but their face isn't expressing that, and so you that's just the reviewer in the background that's in the fifth show. Yeah, the so days. they're the ones that you just have to totally ignore. It's just like, no, you're the sacrificial lamb, and we'll make sure that you know 
your experience might die so that everyone else's may live um, so you oh. just you have to kind of cut that person out if you if you feel that looking at them is too um distracting or like is going to bring you down or put you in your head then this i don't know this is how i approach i just have to then block that person and focus on the other 54 Although, let's be more realistic, the other six. No, um, no, no, no. Let's be confident. <laughs> other 54, it's going to work. Thank you. I mean, I like the, dep- the self-depreciation. I see what you're going with a bit. <laughs> no. Just a little bit more bluster in there. Oh, great. Okay. It, it, is, it is that angry pink as well afterwards. So true, you true. You can't yeah. just go... Oh, this, this is going to be a lilac show. No, this is going to be a red show. <laughs> proper blood red... Turn the cards over in Cluedo, and it's Miss Scarlet with the poison blood with the red rope in the red room. Yeah. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's, a red, there's not a red room in Cluedo, um, not unless there's um, a Moulin Rouge version. But there we go. Tell us about the show and when it's on, though. Uh, the show is on at 10.45 at night, every day of the Fringe, oh, except the 15th, um, and that's in Pleasant's That at the Courtyard, a lovely uh, little kind of outdoor door space well it's outdoor but it's indoor it's a shipping container essentially but it's amazing i don't you are mean to indoors play it down. when you're inside yes yeah, and if it's but, the one but the I room am... itself is outside yes and from the outside it doesn't really look like a room no that's <laughs> the beauty of it because then you walk in and it's actually a gorgeous little theater space so the seats are all kind of curved around yeah, it's, it's, like it's, a little it's not quite in the round but you've got a, like a 270 degree sweep yeah, yeah, yeah yeah you've got three sides of you covered do you, do you then go right in so you've got everybody on the side or do you hold back so everybody's in front of you where's your stage line because it's a big u-shaped um, audience well it's very much uh well there's a huge big projection screen and then i've got other kind of bits and pieces dotted around you're kind of forced so into the round then aren't i'm you? sort of forced into it but i kind of take a tour so if i'm drawing your attention to the screen i will physically draw your attention to the screen by going and standing next to the screen it's a great little tip um, yep make the eyes follow through i mean not one that i've ever needed to do on radio <laughs> uh, just for voices over here it's over here we're recording in mono that doesn't work uh so, so uh what if people want to find more information about yourself online websites the usual places i do have a website it is www.joesutherland.co.uk um and that's not out of any sort of nationalist pride it's just cheaper than dot com um, and what else? I, I love Instagram, Jomodity, at Jomodity, J-O-M-O-D-I-T-Y. So it's sort of like commodity. It's a terrible, it's not even a joke. It's just terrible wordplay. Um, and Twitter, at Joe Sutherland underscore. There's an underscore at the end because just Joe Sutherland was taken by this like 15-year-old Canadian kid who's mega into karate and drawing Yay. shit pictures. <laughs> You're into karate. Can I, oh, no, no, not going there. Fair <laughs> enough. Yep, fair enough. Joe, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Uh, best of luck with the run in Edinburgh. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, I know, I mean that. That sounded really <laughs> yeah, wry. I'm mean, like, oh, whatever. You, I could say it again. We could give it another go if you like, or we could just leave that. I'm sure I won't better awkwardly. it. That's <laughs> how we'll just it leave it out. hanging awkwardly then. <laughs> Joe Sutherland there. Um, get, the, get, get the PVC on. Stop nesting. Go on. Go, go, go. <laughs> And joining me now on the podcast, a man who can only be described as wearing a shirt that is purple and kaleidoscopy. And yeah, Mike Bubbins joins us, and that's a fashion choice for radio, really, isn't it, Mike? Thanks, you. And this is this is a top of the range purple paisley shirt. Yeah, it's stunning. 
You're very kind. You're it, very, very it, kind. it typifies the show or it typifies you? A little bit of both, really. I mean, this is what I would wear day to day. Obviously, the one on, on stage is more metallic. More metallic. It shows off the, we're in the lights. That's fair enough, yeah. then. Tell yeah. us about the show, Mike. The show's called Retrosexual Mail. It's on the Assembly Rooms, George Queer Studio, 6.30. It's about, I suppose, about modern life and how I don't really fit into it, as well as people would like me to, maybe, my wife and my kids, for one. But, I mean, uh, yeah, so it's a, it's, a, it's a show about modern times and, and my, yeah, and my being a loggerhead with it, really. So, this, the 70s. Tell, mm. us, tell us what was good about the 70s. Oh, I could, I could and and not, not what's lyrical. good that you see in the show. What's, what's actually good about well, the well, 70s? For me, I mean, for me, it was, it just seemed there was, there was, things were a lot more real in the 70s for me. You know, there, there was no, obviously there was no internet, there was, there was no mobile phones. So it sounds like your halcyon days, but, you know, if you wanted to go and play with your mates, you play with your mates. You didn't play with them on a PlayStation, you know, three streets away. If you wanted to go on holiday, then you go with your family, you go on holiday somewhere. You, you wouldn't go somewhere that was designed for you to have fun, like, like a Euro Disney or something like that. You'd go somewhere and you'd make your own fun, you know. That, um, if you wanted to take a take your car out and the car broke down, you wouldn't have to get the AA out with a, with a laptop and plug it in, you know. You'd, you'd get the boot open... You and your old man would open the bonnet and take the spark plugs out and give it a... I mean, it just seemed like everything was a bit more real then. Food was more... So I love sports. I, I taught P for years. I just think sport was more real. Less money in it. There was, you know, there was a lot of amateur sport. People playing it because they loved it. So people had other lives. They, they had, they had more, more, more stories to tell. They, they were better. I think they were more rounded characters then, you know? I think people now, whether they're actors or sports people or TV people, they seem to be thrust into that early on, and that's, that defines them. You know what I mean? Like the, the whole reality TV thing. People like Kim Kardashian, I don't mention her in the show, I mean, good luck, good luck to her, but why is she famous? She's famous because she's famous. I don't get that, right? I, it, I, it sounds to me like one of the things that you like about the 70s is the slower pace. Fame, oh, is, now, slate fame is now faster, talking is faster, getting in touch with people is faster. Yeah. It sounds to me that what you liked about the 70s was that you got bored. <laughs> well, we, if you got bored, then you'd find ways to amuse yourself. You'd read a book, or you'd go to the, or you'd go to the cinema, or you'd, you'd go for a, you know, you'd go and see something, or, or meet people, right? You, you, you can be as bored as you want to be anytime you want to be bored, right? You can be bored now, but I just think with, with TV, for instance, right? The fact that it's twenty-four hours a day TV with two hundred channels, I don't think that's a good thing. I think most of that is. Is not. I, mean, I nearly swore then. You, you did, yes. Thank you very much. Yes. That's not very. Have good. a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> Sorry, the seventies. Have a bovril. It just fills time. Like it's like twenty-four hour news. You know, people people are terrified these days about what's going to happen in the world. Super scared about everything because they've got to fill up news channels with news twenty-four hours a day. So if some bloke gets killed in San Francisco, it's all over the news here for five days, and you think there's murderers everywhere. And it's not. You know, back in the day, that uh, the seventies was no safer than it, than it is now. Wouldn't have thought. People think it. I just think. People are more scared now. Could you lift this show yeah. in a metaphorical time machine yeah. and do it in the 70s? I think you could. Well, you, uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting question. You and, yeah, I, I mean, obviously not at the Fringe because the Fringe comedy scene didn't, really didn't kick off till the 80s. But when yeah. you talk about, you know, the, you still had the comedy clubs, you had the working men's clubs in the north, you had the rise of people like Paul Daniels, like Frank Carson mm-hmm. and, and so on. So I... How, because it sounds like you're talking about the 70s in the same way that the 16 and 17-year-olds coming to the fringe talk about the 2001. Yeah, you can't even name this decade. No. Come on, thanks very much. So can you just drop it in? Well, obviously, there's, uh, without spoiling too much, there's, there's jokes and there's setups and, there's, and there's, there's traditional comedy there, like there's setups and punchlines. But, I mean, a lot of the, the humour, 
I think in the show is is from contrasting modern day with with then, right? So that you wouldn't have that contrast in the seventies. I could talk about the future to people in the seventies and it would blow their mind, I'm sure. So you, it would be a different show. But you know, if, if I went back, oh God, you know, please God, one day I can travel back to the nineteen seventies for real, right? If I went back to nineteen seventy six and talked about life in twenty seventeen, but I'm sure there'd be humour in that for a seventies audience, you know. Just about it's just like I said at the top, it's just a fish out of water. So it doesn't matter if you're if you're coming forward in time or going back in time, it's the contrast is where the humour is. How do you narrow that contrast down to get the hour's narrative in Edinburgh? That's the tough thing. I mean, I, I had a probably about an hour and a half of stuff uh, in the first previews, and you just sort of narrow it down, narrow it down, to get to, like, the sort of 55, 56 minutes you're at now. Um, yeah, and it's not, it isn't easy, but, I mean, that's, that's part of doing an Edinburgh hour, isn't it, you know? Um, I could quite happily do a two-hour show on that, but you've got to do it in 55 minutes. So, um yeah, it's, what I don't want to do, and I mentioned this, is I didn't want to alienate people who are sort of under 35, right? So you, because you, there's quite a young crowd here, right? So you want something that's going to appeal to people from, you know, 18 to 80, really. Um, so I, I said I didn't want to alienate young people. I wanted to alienate everybody, and that's the key. I, mean, I want to alienate old people as well, so... That's a very British way of looking at humour. We'll just alienate everybody. If everybody's just as upset as everybody else, <laughs> we're good. If the only person who gets it is me, we're all happy. That's, you know what I mean? Right. Okay, magic wand. You can bring one ethos from the 70s forward to 2017. One ethos? One ethos from the 70s. Oh, having to earn... And one Aramis and then one Dog Tanyan. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> if I could bring one ethos, that's a good one. It would be that you had to earn celebrity. You had to earn fame. You know, you had to do something. If you're a writer, you had to write something good. If you're a singer, you had to sing something good. A musician, play something good. If you're a comedian, you know, you know, be a good comic on stage. Yeah, that would be would be the wherever you're at in life, you've earned being there, which I think happened more in the '70s than it does now. Mind us when the show is on. Uh, Six thirty uh, every night in the assembly rooms, George Square Studio Four. Lovely. And if you want to find out more information about you, Mike, you've got a presence online, or yeah, you can Mike Bubbins, an envelope and a postcard. I or? can do that. We can send a envelope. Um, MikeBubbins.com is the website, very seventies website. Have a look at that. It's a great website. To be fair, uh, to be fair, there weren't any websites in the seventies, so it's just a best guess. If you if you had a website in the seventies, it would look exactly like my friend Richard made this look. So MikeBubbins.com, and then at MikeBubbins on Twitter. And then, uh, yeah, Mike Bevan's comedian on Facebook. Okay, final question. Uh, but first, I need to check something. Were yeah, you a BBC check. or an ITV kid? Oh, I was BBC. What was the phone number for Swap Shop? Oh one eight double one eight zero five five. In one. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, thanks for your time. You and thanks, man. Cheers. Take care. Mike Bobbins there, and um, just before that, Joe Sutherland as well. And that, as they say, pretty much is that. As Edinburgh runs out of steam, everybody reaches the finish line and just sort of make sure they do just enough to get over it because, you know, it's been a long month. It's been a fun month. Uh, thank you all out there for listening. Very much appreciated. Thank you to all my co-hosts uh, that have been joining me. So Jenny Blacker, uh, Courtney Powell, Mitch Ben, Tom Stade, Dan Lentil, and John Jacobs. Thanks all to Vicky Spence, uh, co-producer of the show, and dealing with all the pictures of VickyClicks.com. Thanks to the Guild of Balloon for giving us space at the Rose Theatre basement and giving us a chance to do this live for the first time in something like 13 or 14 years. Very much appreciated. But yes, once more, thanks to you out there for listening. Wherever you are, whether you're on the podcast, whether you're streaming, whether you're on the radio, the company has been a delight, and I hope you've enjoyed this look at Edinburgh. 
Same time next year. 